and welcome to Very Amusing, your one-stop shop for the stories, secrets, and shenanigans of a popcorn-fueled theme park journalist. I'm Carly Wiesel, and I had one ball of a weekend. I almost said a bad word, but I won't, I won't say it on my podcast. This is a clean podcast. But anyway, this weekend was so much fun. It was so much fun. I went with my friend and earlier podcast guest, Jeffrey Epstein, to the MPTF Evening Before Gala. Essentially, it is a huge pre-Emmys party hosted by MPTF, the Motion Picture Television Fund, which if you've heard of that and you don't know what it is, it is a really, really fantastic organization. It essentially supports members of the entertainment community and their families in a really, really wide-reaching way. We're talking everything from financial assistance to mental health care to having an entire campus in the LA area with independent and assisted living for people in the industry who were in the industry. It's really phenomenal. And it was so great to, even in a tiny, tiny piece, take part in one of their celebrations. The event was, I'm just going to say it, it was a Hollywood party that I usually never get to see. And it was very, very, very fun. And not just because they had, you know, they'd catered food, you know, like pastas and salmons and things like that. But Instead of past apps, they had people walking around with boxes of John and Vinny's pizza, which is fantastic pizza if you're ever in LA. But they were walking around, and you could just take a slice of pizza. And on the way out, someone was like, someone was carrying a box and they had pepperoni and I was going to grab a slice and they said, take the whole box. And I, I said, okay. <laughs> so I left this party and hopped into an Uber and walked past like multiple people on TV shows that I watch and just like had my little box of pizza and went home and ate it for dinner and then breakfast. So it was a, it was a wonderful, wonderful time. I, I saw a handful of people I know. I was able to catch up with Paul Shear, another guest on the podcast. It was so great to see him. Um, Paul, by the way, is releasing a book soon. I'm not exactly sure the date it's out, but you can pre-order it now, the print version and the audiobook version. Um, in talking to him about the book over the weekend, I feel like audiobook is the way to go. It just seems, I don't know, it's, he's so good at podcasting. He's so good at speaking in a recorded manner that I feel like I feel like the, the audiobook, it'll have a little, have some anecdotes I hear, it'll have some jokies. I think audiobook's the way to go. That's when I'm going to personally pre-order. Um, it is called Joyful Recollections of Trauma. So be sure to check that out because we love Paul here. But it really, really was so much fun. And that was coming off the tail end of going to Disneyland this past week with Pearl for the first time. Not my first time, obviously Pearl's first time. And that is what we're going to talk about today. I originally was going to do a different episode this week, but I put a poll up on on Instagram and the response was overwhelming (laughs) that a Disneyland recap episode was preferred. And there's so many little tidbits and things in this I want to share with you. So I won't even, won't hold back. I will just dive into it, but I'm really excited to be able to share this because I wasn't really going to do an episode about about my trip. And now there's so many things to share. Okay, I'm not even going to wait. We'll get right into it after uh, this little break for words from our sponsors. But stick around. It's a really, really fun one. And also pepperoni pizza, John and Vinny's. Ooh, I did eat it for breakfast again today. I, I have no shame. I have no shame. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Hey, y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? 
And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Welcome back. I am beyond excited to discuss my recent Disneyland trip with you because I'm not I'm not going to make you wait till the end of the episode for the conclusion because the conclusion is that this is the trip that really made me fall in love with Disneyland in a way I hadn't before. You all know that I am a Walt Disney World girly. I love Walt Disney World. To me, that is the resort that I resonate with most. It's something about the planning and the high stakes and the vacation aspect. And I really thrive on the stress of navigating Walt Disney World. It's got four parks. It's got a bajillion hotels. You got to know transportation. It just is the right level of challenging for me to really keep my brain fueled and engaged. And I love it so, so much. And it's not to say I don't like Disneyland. Disneyland is incredible. It's historic. It's so unique. And I really like it, but I could never see it through the eyes of people who usually go to Disney World and go to Disneyland as a treat. There's this this viewpoint that a lot of people have where they're like, I'm at Disneyland. It's magical. This is the one Walt built. And that hasn't, as much as I know that in a historical sense, it has never really resonated with me emotionally until this trip. And I don't even think it was the aspect of having a child with me there. It wasn't any sort of profoundity of that. It was really understanding what it is about this park that people appreciate. And the reason I was able to see that was because it was the first time I've been there in a very, very long time where it did not feel crowded. I was really able to take it in in a way I usually can't when I'm rushing to uh, get get in the park so I can book a Genie Plus, so I can uh, Lightning Lane, so I can go on a ride, so I can get to Space Mountain, so I can do it all. I did none of that. We did not use Genie Plus on this visit. We did not buy any individual Lightning Lanes, none of that. We really visited Disneyland in this unique way with low crowds, with no planning, and it was really, really nice. And we're going to get into all of that. But to start you off, I just want to say anyone who's ever made it to a Disney park before 8 a.m. with a child, I applaud you. I applaud you because I had a goal and we didn't meet it. Uh, Getting out of the door with a baby is not easy. It's not easy. There is so much stuff that you need, especially right now in Southern California when the weather is frigid tundra winter in the morning, then sunny delightful fall day, then frigid tundra winter at 3.45, 4 p.m. So making sure we had enough scarves and hats. Yes, scarves and hats. It is cold in SoCal this time of year. Making sure we had everything really slowed us down. And by us, I should clarify, uh, my mom is in town. So this was, I wanted Pearl's first Disneyland visit to be with my mom. I wanted her to see it while she was in town. And so we all went together and it was, it was nice. Getting out the door, not nice. Uh, also, like, you gotta, you gotta feed a baby. There's these wake windows. It's it's tricky, but we were able to do it. Uh, in case this doesn't come up later, I want to reiterate this. I'm pretty sure I mentioned this on the Walt Disney World episode and on social media, but a good amount of people when I flew Pearl to Orlando were asking me, with good reason, it's a valid question, why I chose to take Pearl to Disney World before I took her to Disneyland. And the answer is actually pretty simple. Even though it is so challenging to fly across the country (laughs) uh, with a then eight and a half month old, the reason I did it was because for me, 
it's much easier to take Pearl on a journey where I can be next to her. I can feed her if I need to. I can tend to her. I can give her a toy. I can give her a snack. But when I'm driving, because of the traffic in Los Angeles and out of Los Angeles, it is really, really tricky to get to Disneyland in anything under, I'd say, an hour. Um, If I was going alone, I'd try to go super early and avoid traffic. But when you have a baby wake time, you have to feed them. There's all these rigid things you have to do. And I really couldn't get out the door in time for it to be under an hour 15, an hour 20. And that is a long time for my child to be in a car seat where she does not like it. Some kids roll with the car seat and they're all good. But with Pearl, I knew it would be tricky. Even when we go to our little music class, it's a 20, 25 minute drive. She she whines a little. She doesn't love it. She doesn't love it. She does not love being in the car. So I wanted to wait until my mom was in town so she could sit in the back seat with her and give her a toy and just kind of pay attention to her and take care of her. So I wasn't driving, white knuckling it, stuck in traffic in the middle of downtown LA while Pearl is crying. Because to me, that is the most stressful scenario I can think about. Uh, My shoulders are at my ears with anxiety just thinking about it. So I wanted to make sure her first trip to Disneyland was done in a way where there was someone who could tend to her in the backseat. So that is why I waited so long to go to Disneyland. It was truly because of the driving. And the way there went okay. The way back did not go okay. I will say all of my fears were well-founded because um, the drive back, let's just say I had to pull over at a certain point and feed her while she was in the car seat with my body. So it was challenging. We barely made it home. Uh, it 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 was wild. But the way there was great and the day was great. So I say it's all worth it. Uh, We hopped on the freeway. We drove. It probably took, yeah, I think an hour 15. I think we got lucky at the end because the carpool lane was flying. I've never taken the carpool lane before. That was so thrilling. Oh my gosh. You really feel it really, I I know, I don't know not to put it in Disney terms, but it feels like a lightning lane for your car. It was, it was very exciting. But my approach on this trip was a decision that I've made recently that I think I'm going to stand behind fully and publicly now because I'm going to share it with you. And that is that I've decided the key to quality of life as a Disneyland park goer is to try and avoid Mickey and friends at all costs. Mickey and friends houses a lot of cars. Yeah, and they expanded it. Cool. But there is nothing like pulling up to Disneyland being like, yeah, I'm here. I can't wait to go to the park. And then spending 45 minutes in that endless line waiting to pay slowly going up the ramp to park, going down to the tram. And yeah, the infrastructure of that space is really nice now. They redid it. And the tram, the the way that the trams operate is so nice. Security is so nice. But I could not do it. I knew we had tight windows with Pearl. We weren't going to be in the park for that long. And I just decided I, I'm done with Mickey and Friends for as long as I possibly can be. <laughs> and part of that is because I am a walker. I prefer to walk over taking transportation for many people. They would much rather take a bus or a tram than to walk. But for me, it works best to walk. And so I have really enjoyed parking at the Anaheim Hotel. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, uh, but the Anaheim Hotel, which is very, very close to the entrance to Disneyland Resort, um, the Anaheim Hotel has a small area in front of it where you can pay to park for the day. There's a separate reserved area for hotel guests. They have their own parking lot, but they sell parking in front of the hotel each and every day. It is $32 compared with $35 at the parks. And it does come with the added cost of so much anxiety that you will explode because they only have a certain amount of spots. And on busy days, 
they fill up really, really quickly. So I'd never been on kind of a lower crowd day trying to park there, and we were arriving a little later than I had before. So the whole way I was kind of like, oh, God, I'm nervous, but I'm nervous, but I'm going to blow it. And thankfully, they did have parking by the time we got there. So it was so easy peasy. I highly recommend it. Um, my plan was to park there, and if that didn't work, to go to the Toy Story lot, which I will start parking in for reasons we will soon discuss. But the Anaheim Hotel parking, if you can snag it, is really nice and is very preferable to me. And there's a bathroom inside. So you go inside, you pay, use the bathroom, you come out. Easy, easy peasy. We went to Disneyland on a Thursday of a holiday weekend and a Thursday of a run Disney weekend. So I was pretty surprised when I went to buy my mom's ticket and it was a tier zero ticket. That means it's the lowest price ticket that they sell for Disneyland. It was $104 for a one day, one park ticket. And I, it would indicate that that would be a low crowd day, but I figured with the holiday with Run Disney, maybe it was a fluke. Maybe the data was wrong, but it was not wrong. And I know that for a long time, we always rely on crowd calendars, on this kind of historical data that's been taken over the years to know how many people are going to be in the park. But lately, I feel like I feel like the crowd calendars have been supplemental information instead of my primary source of looking at historically what the crowds were, because they're informing crowds less from my from my perspective I think than ticket price. Now that Disneyland Resort and theme park tickets are dynamically priced, they cost a certain amount depending on how many people they anticipate to be there. I find that it really helps to signal what the crowds are going to be like because it really did feel like a tier 0 day. I another piece of data which again is not really data, but on my last visit it was a busier day and I think the Starbucks coffee pickup when I went to order it from Downtown Disney was about I want to say around 25 minutes. This time it was 6 to 9 minutes and when I got there, maybe after 4 or 5 minutes, my stuff was ready. So it was it was pretty telling that the crowds were lower and it was smooth, which is which is great because I ended up buying a magic key. Now, this is how it went down. If you bought a magic key last week, you know things were a little chaotic as they tend to be because the demand is so high. I planned this trip around the SoCal resident ticket, which I've talked about before and I love. It's, I believe, uh, $225, I think is the price for one park, and you get three visits on Monday through Thursday with this ticket. And I use that for this trip. But then they announced the magic key and it became a little tricky because I was thinking I was teetering on if I should upgrade or not. And with a magic key, I get to go basically the same days during certain parts of the year, Monday through Thursday. It's pretty restrictive. There are some Fridays, but there are no weekends with that. 499. I believe it's the Imagine Key, which is for California residents, Southern California residents, my bad. But I was I was torn on it because the SoCal ticket I'd already bought. And I thought, okay, they're announcing these the day before I go. They're going on sale the Wednesday. Thursday, I'll be in the park and I can upgrade my ticket. I already bought this ticket. I can upgrade it. That way I'm not out two different forms of admission and kind of feel like I wasted 200 bucks. And then they sold out of all of the magic keys except the SoCal one on Wednesday afternoon. And I panicked. And so I ended up, now I have too much, I have too much admission. I got too much admission to Disneyland because I panic bought myself a magic key and I haven't started it yet. I still have the SoCal ticket. Now the SoCal ticket, I can't park up with it. I can only park up with my acting the magic key. It's all, it's all screwy. But it going forward, that's why I mentioned uh, there's a small percentage off. I think it's 25% when you park at Toy Story parking. That's what I'll be doing from now on. But I will be coming back a lot more because I bought I, I bought a magic key. 
I bought a magic key and we're going to be going to Disneyland a lot more, which is very exciting. But it is a Monday through Thursday ticket. So I'm excited to be there when there are these low crowds, which is what the SoCal resident ticket, I believe, is probably to boost the amount of people who visit on those specific days. Because the crowds were low, getting in was so easy. There were no pain points. There was no like, oh, we're trying to get into the park. We didn't even wait in line at the turnstile. We just blooped right in. We didn't quite bloop through security before that. Uh, I'm going to not discuss the stroller situation at length because I am currently reporting on the best way to pack a bag and a stroller for a Disney park. It is very different. Disney World to Disneyland. I'm working on that. I'm breaking it down. That will come out later, possibly on the podcast, but likely um, the main portion will be at a different editorial platform. TBD, we will talk about that later. However, uh, it was still a weird dance. Get, you know, you have everything in these bags. You got to get them out of security. You got to put them back. It is a struggle I am not used to as someone who used to just carry a backpack and go. But on this trip, I was going to try a travel stroller that I have. It's smaller. It's more like my Disney World packing situation <laughs> stressed me out, as you remember. But I ended up using my regular behemoth of a stroller that I use at home. It's the up a baby Vista 2, I think it's called. But this thing's got wheels. It was good. I was a little concerned it would be too much in the park because everyone's using umbrella strollers and little ones. But I had no problem with it. Uh, it was maybe a little trickier to get into some of the stroller parking areas because they are so, they're plentiful at Disneyland, but also kind of narrow. Like they're everywhere, but also there's not, there's like a slot for four strollers. It's quite confusing. We were able to use it fine. And the reason I ended up choosing that stroller was because it was cold. We needed so many things for all of us, socks and jackets, uh, not socks for me, but scarves and jackets and so much stuff that we were able to shove all of our winter wear underneath, which was great. But now let's get to the good stuff. Because when we walked in the park, I decided that we were going to meet Goofy because it was more important for my daughter to meet Goofy than anything else. I've mentioned this before, but my philosophy when bringing my child to a theme park is that there's got to be one thing you focus on, one thing that if you accomplish that, the day went great. And for me, that was Pearl meeting Goofy for the first time. I avoided, specifically, specifically avoided her meeting Goofy in Disney World because it needed to happen in Disneyland. I had taken a photo with Goofy when I was very, very pregnant with her. I really wanted to meet Goofy again now that she was out. And we did it. And it was magical for most of us. Pearl was a little freaked out, as I understand you probably would if the only dog you know is basically your size and on the ground in your house. And then here's one walking around, waving at you, booping you on the nose. It's got to be a lot for her little, her little baby brain. But the funniest thing was that if you are familiar with Disneyland, when you enter the park on the right-hand side is where the characters enter and exit from. So you can kind of wait there and it's a bit of a character alley situation. And we got there at a point when Goofy was meeting but they cut the line because Goofy was going to go away, take a break and come back. So we were like, all right, we're going to wait. We can't meet Goofy right now. We're going to wait for Goofy to come back out. We'll see him then. It'll be perfect. And by waiting there, we ended up seeing a lot of characters going back and forth. And something I forgot about is that when you're me, when you're an adult and you're like, hi, Mickey, hi, Chip and Dale. They're just like, oh, hello. And they're leaving. But when you have a baby, I inadvertently felt like I was yelling at a president to kiss my baby. I, I didn't intend for this to happen, but it was like Mickey Mouse came over and was like, oh my gosh, a baby. And then other characters came over and Daisy was like, oh my gosh, a baby. It ended up being really, really sweet. It was a really sweet moment that I didn't anticipate because we were also not focusing on meeting other characters. The focus was on Goofy and we were able to do that. 
That was probably the highlight of the day, meeting Goofy. But from there, we proceeded into the park. And the goal became not, let's try to wait in line for Peter Pan. It became, let's get this girl to sleep because she's been up for way, way, way too long. So we ended up walking a lap around the park very leisurely. I was planning on doing a silhouette on Main Street because TikTok has poisoned my brain. And even though I've walked past a million times and never gotten one, I kind of wanted to get one with me and my mom and Pearl, which I'm going to try to go back and do in the future. Uh, the line was cut off there. They said they were reopening it later. We never wound up going back. It's okay. I can do that another day. But we walked in a circle. We kind of walked the length of the park and Pearl fell asleep. We hung out, we took in the sights, and again, the characters really set this park apart. This is news to no one who's in love with Disneyland, but for me, it just made it so clear why Disneyland is special. We walked past the teacups, and we got to see Alice and the Mad Hatter spinning in a teacup. They walked around, they interacted with people in other teacups before the ride was moving, mind you. And then they had a little tea party in their teacup while they were swirling around. I am just, I am so grateful to see something like this in 2024 because we are all very aware of what's happening at the company. And I'm so delighted that these very special touches are seen as special by the company and they haven't been budget engineered out of existence. You know what I mean? Like these things, they're not stapled to the ground. Like they don't have to be here. I think they have to be there, but I'm very, 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 very grateful that I saw so many things like this on that visit. It what It's what makes Disney so magical. It, it's what sets Disney apart from their competitors. It infuses so much life into these parks. And it was actually my mom's favorite memory of the day. It was so, so nice to see. And we saw stuff like that the whole time. There were just characters everywhere. And it is just, it is massively special. And I loved it. I get it. I get it now. I get why everyone loves Disneyland. I get it. Okay. I get it. I get it. <laughs> From there, we went on Haunted Mansion Holiday. And again, what a great ride. Haven't been on it this season. Didn't go during the holidays. And I honestly, I thought it was closed since they closed It's a Small World to reset it. So it was really a delight. Now, my mom had never been on it. She loved it. But not all of us loved it. Pearl, uh, I don't know if I want to blame the ride, but Pearl got hungry while we were on the ride. So she was a little upset by it. Wasn't upset by the darkness, though, which I was pretty surprised by. And again, these rides are always louder than I imagined, louder than I expected. I will take the L on that. I walked on. As we were getting in the queue, I went, oh, should I grab her headphones? No, we'll be fine. Which I knew it was going to end poorly the second I said that aloud and just kept on walking into the line. But alas, you live, you learn, you probably go back on Haunted Mansion and just bring the headphones. If you are visiting Disneyland soon, keep in mind that the line may look longer from the walkway, but part of the queue, part of the exterior queue of Haunted Mansion is within the area that is currently under construction as part of the expansion of that area that they're working on. So if it looks a little longer, it's because there is less queue ahead of you before you actually enter into the building. Just keep that in mind because I was surprised by that and the wait was faster because of it. I thought we'd have more switchbacks and we did not. After feeding Pearl, we went to Winnie the Pooh. And I got to tell you, having been on this ride on both coasts, my child is obsessed with it. I mean, is it is it the fish shows that I went to before she existed? Does she love the psychedelic heffalump vibe? I do not know. But she never is more engaged and honestly more blown away with joy than on this ride. We're going to have to go on probably every trip, which is great because there's never that long of a line. So I am happy with it. We 
also got to meet Winnie the Pooh. And again, this is why I really get why Disneyland is so spectacular. To meet this many characters, to see this many things at Disney World, you got to schedule a whole day. I mean, when we went, I was stressed for days about how she would meet characters. We ended up booking a character brunch, which, as you know, did not go great. I was so stressed out about how she would meet Mickey Mouse at Magic Kingdom without it interfering with her nap time, with her being too tired, her being too stressed. And just like I said, walking up in the middle of the park and meeting Mickey Mouse while she was awake, no pressure, totally great. Going on a ride and, oh, there's Winnie the Pooh. Oh, there's Tigger. Easy peasy was so nice. They're just Tigger was just flopping around. I saw Tigger playing with a child dressed as Tigger. They skipped away. They bounced away. It was just, it was magical. These magical moments are so nice. Even if they're not happening to you, just to see them, it's so nice. And we had, we had a really great morning, if that in case that wasn't already clear. We then looped back through Galaxy's Edge to go to Toontown. And before this episode, before I went, I pulled people online. I asked my Instagram followers, um, which is probably many of you listening, if they had any advice about crawling spaces outside of Toontown. And everyone, for the most part, still was like, go to Toontown. And I took your advice. They also mentioned Main Street Cinema, which we didn't need, but I will definitely use in the future in case she crawls around. She was more, Pearl was more taken it all in, a little physically frozen from everything that was happening around her. But in Toontown, there is this soft play area in the back of Toontown, kind of behind Donald's boat that's for six months to 24 months. And she got to stand on a little flower petal. She got to move around. She got to play a little. She made a new friend. It was very sweet. And she seemed to like it a lot. So that's definitely an area we will be visiting in the future. I do want to add... Toontown, I, I'm obsessed with what they did back there. I've mentioned that when they opened Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. I think they did such a good job. But in the soft play area, I already noticed that it's starting to show wear, which is a little concerning because this is new. Like this is this is real new. And the things she was playing on, I, if I didn't know it was new, I'd be like, hey, they got to update this. So knowing it's new, yeah, it looked pretty worn in, even just like the foam flower she was playing on. So I hope that maybe they keep repatching it, um, redoing it, because it looked a, little, looked a little worn in. After that, my mom showed Pearl some of the windows and Donald's boat, and she walked around. She liked all the things. And then I saw the slide, the rainbow slide. And I thought, oh, man, if only I could go on that. And then I remembered I had a whole baby. I had a whole baby. So now I was grandfathered in to this whole play area. I'm not, I'm not an adult just hanging out with the kids. I have a kid of my own. I'm allowed to be there. I'm allowed to use this stuff. So I was able to go on the rainbow slide. It was very, it's very exciting. I don't know what you call that type of slide where it's all like, um, it's all bars. It makes the noise like, I think that explains it more. Like just the rolling, the rolling bars all the way down. Okay, one more, <laughs> one more, and now we're done. And I took Pearl on it, and I was a little nervous because I, I've never, I've never really taken her on anything like that. I, I was scared that she would be freaked out and not what was going on. My head barely fit under the bar because, again, this is a place for children, but also parents with children. And we did, we did good. Pearl liked it. She was okay. She was actually not even, didn't even acknowledge what was happening. I don't think she knew she went from up to down. But the slide section as a whole <laughs> in tune down. Why is nobody talking about this all the time? It has the loose rules of like a motel pool slide in the 60s. I do not know how this is here. The fact that it is means some team of Disney corporate lawyers vetted it. So, I mean, what do I know? But it was 
chaos. There are kids just piling on each other, going down without any sort of direction. There's no green light, red light. There's nobody saying, okay, you go now, you go. People are just going down to the point where (laughs) I saw a video. My mom took a video of Pearl and I going down the slide. And there's basically another child straddling me from the back as we went down, a child I've never met before. And it's funny because in the video, it now looks like, you know, I'm a fine, caring mother to my two daughters, so I'm fine with it. But I didn't even know a child was there because that's how jam-packed people are going down this slide. Please, parents, if you've done this, please let me know that I'm not alone in this because it seemed bonkers to me that it was just kids going zoom, 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 down the slide. Now, I guess that's a playground and I'm not used to playgrounds, but at Disney, I was still like, oh my, oh my gosh, I hope everyone's okay when they come down the slide and they were, so it was fine, but still surprised by it. I'm so new at this. I'm so new at this. I'm just trying my best. I'm just trying my best. But again, Toontown was busier than the rest of the park, in my opinion, but it was still nice. There is a listener of ours who I will keep anonymous because um, I don't know if they wanted their comment to be tied to their name publicly, but they said the grass areas would be jam-packed. And on this day, they weren't. There was so much grassy space. A low crowd day at Disneyland, you guys. I cannot stress it enough. Pull your kid out of school. Quit your job. Go on vacation. Go on a casual, chilly January weekday afternoon. It was so nice. The sun was out. I wore a cardigan and I was perfectly warm. I wore a little hat and I wasn't overheated. I wasn't sweating at Disneyland for the first time in four bajillion years. It was so nice. It was pitch perfect. And as we went to proceed with our day, I looked at my phone and I noticed Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway was only a 20-minute wait. A 20-minute wait. Unheard of. Unbelievable. And I know I've said many times on this podcast that I would not bring my baby on it because it's herky-jerky, even though all ages are allowed in it. It's just too much movement. The dance scene with Daisy, too much for her. But I didn't realize (laughs) that my price for admission was a 20-minute wait. So we went on Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, and it did not end the way I thought. Let's let's just say that. I'll give you a little more information after this break. Okay, you know that feeling that everyone knows something that you don't? For me, that used to be Quince, but no more. Quince is a truly astounding retailer, essentially carrying everything a person on your mood board would wear. We're talking washable silk blouses, chic leather bags, 14 karat gold jewelry, European linen dresses, and the best part of all is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They're up here with $50 Mongolian cashmere sweaters. $50! Beautiful, timeless items you can wear and actually live in. Meaning, you don't have to be scared to bring them on your theme park travels. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And if you're sensitive to retailers like I am, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. But it's not just your everyday work-life clothes. They have everything. I recently joined a new gym, big deal for me, and desperately needed new workout clothes to wear there. It's kind of like an LA gym. It's like it kind of got to look cute. So I ordered a pair of their ultra-form bike shorts and high-rise pocket leggings. And when I tell you, the quality of these leggings is truly on par with brands I paid three times as much for, which really kind of makes me love these three times more. I'm not only going to buy them again, but 
actually buy the other travel stuff in my cart because they have things like beautiful pastel suitcases for 129 bucks and these wildly affordable compression packing cubes that I have been waiting forever to buy compression packing cubes and they're always so pricey and here the price fits. So if you want to get ready for work, your new gym, travel, anything in your life, go to Quince. Quince.com slash amusing will get you free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Ooh, that's nice for someone who puts stuff off like I do. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash amusing to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash amusing. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Minnie's Runaway Railway. It got me. It got me, but not in the way you would anticipate. Now, on one hand, I had a really nice time. I got to meet multiple listeners of the podcast. If you're listening to this, hello. It was lovely to chat. It was lovely to meet all of you. On the other hand, I experienced my first ride evacuation, and I experienced it with a hungry baby. It was I'm not going to say it was uh, one of the more stressful moments of my life within a Disney park. So we went on Runaway Railway. We're on the ride. It is moving more than I thought. And in the earlier scenes, I forgot how much you're swaying back and forth. Not even the Daisy Dance scene in all of them. And you don't notice it until you're holding what is essentially an 18-pound bag of goo. Just a big old slosh of bag of goo. A person who can just learn to control their neck a couple months ago. And you immediately think, Oh no, oh no, this small bag of goo is going to bang their head on the lap bar, which is directly at forehead level because they keep flopping around. So I'm restraining Pearl with both of my arms. My mom is like holding her neck to like, she's like putting her arm between her neck and the lap bar. Like we're just making sure she doesn't slam back or forth. And then we get through the daisy dance scene. All is good. We're like, we did it. We did it. We got the runaway railway. We're near the end. This is great. We're having a great time. And in that factory scene, Like, out of nowhere, snap, ride stops, lights up. Like, immediately, both happened at once. And when I've been paused on rides before, you know, usually you pause, the show scenes are still going, the lighting is still on or off, depending on the situation, and they'll make an announcement like, oops, stay in your seats, stay in your seats. This was, boom, lights on, and I knew immediately, oh, this is not, they're not turning they're not turning the projections back on. This this is it. This ride is officially stopped. And you can tell from the language. I don't remember exactly what they said, but it was something like, it was just like, stay in your vehicle. Uh, not as aggressive as I just said that. It was more Disney, but it wasn't the language. They kept saying like, oh, your ride is current. Like, your ride is stopped. It will start again. But 
also some of the words they use. I don't remember. I don't even know why I'm mentioning this, but regardless, they, I knew, I knew because the projections were gone. The projections were gone. We were now in a gigantic show scene because you know, those show scenes are gigantic, a gigantic room with a bunch of people because that's how the vehicles are. There's, you know, four separate vehicles, a lot of people in each row, gigantic room, bunch of people, fluorescent lighting. And I've got a small, very hungry baby who she's not crying. She's not there yet. I know she wants lunch because she has a nap soon. And she's sitting there just waiting, just waiting to be fed in a fluorescent lit room. Now, I am comfortable not to get too into it on this episode. I'm comfortable feeding my baby wherever I have to. And listen, I will not stop at anything to feed her. If my baby's hungry, she's going she's gonna to get fed. But she wasn't quite there yet. She was on the brink. And so we spent the entire time waiting to be taken out of the ride vehicle, just entertaining her just singing. My mom's singing Skittlemarink as Pearl would make some whines and make some cries. And people in the other vehicles would turn around in this fluorescent lit room and be like, who is the baby? Where's the noise coming from? What's going on? What's going on? And within an instant, we went from a bunch of people on a theme park ride to basically passengers on an airplane waiting to disembark. Everyone's just sitting there. We all got nothing to do. It's very bright. And it's not really an environment you want to start disrobing in. Not to get into details, but if you know, you know, I don't really want to undress as everyone's already looking at me in this empty cavernous fluorescent room. Now, thankfully, the cast members came out before they took us out of the vehicle and they're like, hey, we're going to get you off this ride. We have to make a call. We're coming right back. Don't worry. So I knew I knew I was going to be OK and I could feed her once we got out of the ride. But it was it was mentally harrowing for me. <laughs> and I'm sure anyone else sitting there was like, Oh man, this baby's going to cry this whole time. This is going to be bad. But we got through. We barely got through. We barely got through. And it was a memorable way for my first ever evacuation. I can't believe with how much I go on Space Mountain, especially at Disney World. I've never been evac but nope, never. It's the first time I've seen the little stool that they put down for you to step off and to exit the ride. And it was actually a, a real full circle moment because if you remember, uh, after D23 Expo, that's where we did a walkthrough of the ride with Bob Chapek. And just to see how much time has passed because I was actually pregnant during that. I was very, very early pregnant. I thought everyone could notice from on stage during our Duffy panel, uh, looking back on photos, you'd have no idea. But inside I felt like, wow, you can see a whole baby. You couldn't. Regardless, Pearl has now technically walked the track of Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway two times in her young life. I'm counting both times. I'm counting. But it was, it was just bizarre. I didn't think that would be the full circle moment of the day. But in a way, in a way it was. I made a lunch reservation earlier for Carnation Cafe, and we got to dine outside off of Main Street, which is officially my favorite place to dine in Disneyland Resort. My favorite was once Cafe Orleans, but once they invented their tyranny on French fries, I've decided that they just don't hit the same. If you don't know what I'm talking about, and I sound very overly dramatic, they used to have the best pomme frite appetizer. They had this towering bowl of French fries. In my brain, I imagine it like cartoon style, like that episode of Rugrats with the huge ice cream sundae, if you know what I'm talking about. Just a truly shout out to my friend Brandon, who I discussed this with a couple weeks ago, but they had this gigantic pile of french fries and it was so yummy to share with your friends. And now the famous pomme frites are only served with meals and are different than they used to be. And I remain heartbroken over it. I am trying to fill the pomme frites shaped hole in my heart with the fried pickles at Carnation Cafe. And I got to say, it's going pretty well. It's going, it's going pretty well. We got to sit and enjoy the view. And I'll be honest, I did book it so that Pearl could see the people walking by and she naps through the whole meal. So 
whatever. You live, you learn, you order a veggie burger and it's delicious. I actually got the cheeseburger with the veggie patty instead of the beef one. And it was it was fantastic. It was exactly what I hoped for. We also obviously got fried pickles because you have to. And I dipped my fries in the house sauce, which I if I didn't get fried pickles, I will make sure to in the future order that on the side. I recommend it. It is so good with the fries. It was just a wonderful meal. And we wanted to leave the park around 4, 4.30. Uh, so we wouldn't be stuck in traffic for too long. That's still, <laughs> we still got burned. But as we finished our meal, we were delightfully surprised by Michael Does Disney. If you know Michael, if you follow him on Instagram, he's a friend of mine. It was so nice to see him. He got to meet Pearl. He got to meet my mom. I'm shocked they haven't met before because they both live in Chicago. But it was so nice to see him and catch up with him and basically yell at him in his face, uh, asking him questions about how he could possibly run so much. To my run Disney racers listening to this, y'all ran a race in Disney World? You flew home? And then a few days later, you flew to California and you're running more races. It doesn't make sense. Do you have stronger quads than anyone else in the world? I would truly fall asleep in a in a pile halfway through the race. I would not be able to do it. Well, I am tempted about a marathon because now I know you can go on rides during it. This is would just be too much for me to run that many races in a row, that many 2.30 a.m. alarms. Ooh, maybe in the future, maybe one day I'll do one again, but I could never do a coast-to-coast challenge. I could never do a dopey challenge. I could never do it, and you're all heroes in my book because, wow, wow, wow. Michael did every race? I can't believe it. I think he ran 73 miles or something. You should only be running that much if, like, you don't have a car and it's an emergency. Oh, my God. I don't know how he did it. I don't know how he did it. I don't know how any of you do it, but I am impressed and amazed and wowed. After we spoke with Michael, we went to Fantasyland, and yes, my goal was to go on Dumbo, but it wasn't my one goal of the day. So while we couldn't go on because it was going to take a little too long, I wasn't heartbroken. And I actually sat in the photo op with, you know, the the Dumbo ride vehicle. You sit in the ride. It's behind the ride and took a photo, and it looks kind of like we went on it. So nobody told Pearl. We'll tell her her first ride <laughs> was earlier this week, and I have the proof. So it's totally fine. We wound up going on Casey Jr. Circus Train, which... I prefer to not sit in the cage. We didn't sit in a cage, so it was great. And it was just such a nice day out that it was really, really nice to see uh, the storybook canal boats, to see everything, to see all of that at once was, it was great. And I know I just keep saying things were great. And sometimes I don't say things are great, but this time, this time they were great. And while not an attraction, we were broken in to Fantasyland stroller parking. And I knew that there were a lot of strollers everywhere, but there really are a lot of strollers everywhere. It's I'm really one of the masses now. And I've learned that I think in my limited perspective of doing this truly four times total, I found that finding my stroller was more complicated at Disney World than at Disneyland. I think because they're usually not in so deep, there's more like a shallow roll row of maybe four or five, six strollers that's wider and not as deep. We were able to find ours really easily. I've never, you know, bought one of those signs that you put on that has your name on it. To me, the easiest way that we've been able to find it is just to have your most colorful thing close to the top of the stroller. I have a diaper bag that is checkered print. It's brown and white checkered print. Um, no, I'm sorry, not a diaper bag, but it's a wet bag that I leave our changing pad in so it doesn't touch anything else and make other things yucky. But that's near the top and I was able to find it really, really easily. And around the time we left, the park got pretty busy. So I'm I'm glad we headed out when we did, but I can't wait to go back. I will be back in a week. So get prepared for more stuff. Not as much of a recap episode, more of a little reported episode, but it'll be great. There's so much Disneyland in the future now that I have a magic key again. And I'm so excited to go back. I really, I feel the, the Disneyland joy 
coursing through my veins. It was wonderful. It was a wonderful, wonderful visit. And if anyone has any advice to give for Disneyland with a tiny child, please let me know because I, I'm I'm learning as I go and I'm trying to use my expert point of view from going to the parks for so much and knowing how they operate and knowing how to book things. And throwing a little baby in there really does change things a little. Uh, I think when she's older, it'll be much easier to handle Genie Plus and Lightning Lanes and things like that. But until then, we're just kind of vibing. We're just, we're just doing it low key and it's been great. Thank you so much for listening to this Disneyland recap. Okay, let me know if you have any questions. Okay, okay, bye. Hi, Carly. This is Brittany from Orlando. For my birthday, my fiance surprised me with tickets to California. Um, so we will be out in Disneyland for a couple of days, but I realized that our LA day is the same day as the Grammys. So I have been feverishly looking online to see if there is a fan zone like some award shows have near the red carpet to just get a glimpse of some of the stars coming through. I know that the majority of the Grammy red carpet takes place in a tent-like structure, so you can't really see much, um, but I have not found anything online, and I felt that you were the perfect person to ask, um, not only because you are good at finding the answers to anything, but because your husband, you know, is big-time music mogul guy. So, um, please, any information on whether or not, like, randoms can get a glimpse of Taylor Allison Swift pre-Grammys, please let me know. Hi! Oh my gosh, Ben will be so honored to be called a, uh, what was it, a big-time music mogul guy? It feels like like one of the ways they would describe a Ken in the Barbie movie. And for that, I love it. Now, I I worked, I'm going to say a little too hard to to find you the answer for this. And I got very, very close. I didn't get the full cigar, but I think I got pretty close to it. And weirdly, even though um, Ben is obviously going to go to the Grammys this year, he has an artist nominated, I still am not entirely sure. But I I did a little work, I did a little digging, and I figured it out. And not to be like your answers are on the dark web, but they're all on, I guess what I would call the ugly internet. Uh, we're talking like bad links, bad graphics, um, things that look spammy but actually aren't. And in that process, I've learned that a lot of these bleacher seats, it seems like at the Grammys, are auctioned off, not directly to people, but kind of given to other charities to auction off, like a charity buzz. Um, I saw one for, it seemed, I think it was like a newspaper fundraiser or something like that. Like, like they're auctioned off separately, and the auctions that I looked into were closed. However, I did find seatfillersandmore.com, but specifically their Facebook page, which has basically like up-to-the-minute updates about what the Grammy seating situation is. They will be doing seat fillers at the Grammys. Uh, They haven't posted anything about bleacher seats for the red carpet. Um, I assume being in the room for the show would be better than sitting in the bleachers because you're, you know, in the elements. It could be cold. It could be hot. But I would check out seatfillersandmore.com, again, more specifically their Facebook page, to stay abreast of the situation and hopefully try to go to the Grammys while you're in town. And if you are listening to this and you are not, you don't happen to be in town on whatever day in February the show is, I think it's the third or the fourth, maybe the fifth. I think the fourth, I feel like the fourth feels right. But 
there are other ways to go and see stuff while you're in LA. It's actually very fun. Um, sitcoms. Okay. So I've seen a few sitcoms. Uh, you know, I'm a Big Bang Theory fan. I have gone to sit in the audience of Big Bang Theory more than once. And seeing shows is really exciting. It's very cool to like to see the spaces that you see on camera in person. Like I just love the different angles of it. Uh, they are long shoots, so they do take up a big chunk of your day while you're in town. But if you are coming to LA and this is something you are interested in, I would check out two different websites. One is on-camera-audiences.com. They, I believe, are mostly like Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy, I think. And then one iota is more talk shows and late night. So if you want to go to Kimmel, uh, if you maybe want to be in that outdoor concert area that they do in the parking lot behind Kimmel, go to oneiota.com. If you're visiting, check it out. And hopefully you'll be able to see a show if the Grammy red carpet stitch does not apply to you. I, I I I hope you end up being a seat filler. How fun would that be? Otherwise, have so much fun at Disneyland. Oh, have so much fun on your trip. That's our show. Thank you all so much for listening this week. You can rate, review, and follow Very Amusing on Apple Podcasts and rate and follow us on Spotify. Also, feel free to leave a review. I know I say it every week, but it is a very, very good way to get people to listen to the show who haven't listened before. And we love this little bubble of theme park community. And by we, I mean me. And I'm kind of speaking for you, I guess. I hope you like it too. I mean, if you're listening this far, I think you like it. But either way, if you haven't left a review, uh, it's a wonderful thing to do. And I greatly appreciate it. It's like an early Valentine's Day box of chocolates. Um, which if you saw anything I posted on Instagram this past week, you know that I obliterated an entire box of C's chocolate by cutting them all in half so I knew what was inside. Uh, I'm not going to apologize. I was thrilled to do it. My husband was out of town and he would have razzed me big time for it. But this way, the entire box is mine and I know every piece. And I found a strawberry piece I didn't expect. I don't want to bite into a chocolate and be surprised. I want to know what I'm going to get. And I made that happen for me. And this is not the intro when I should be doing this. So we'll get back to all the stuff you need to know. Anyway, leave a review. I would greatly appreciate it and highly recommend destroying boxes of chocolate. You can give us a call anytime at 747-CHURROS. You can text us at 747-CHURROS. Uh, it's easier to text like conversationally instead of asking a question because if you text it, I can't play it on the pod. But if you send a voice note, via text to 747churros or email it to 747churros at gmail.com then I can and answer your question in full. You can buy Very Amusing merchandise at very-amusing.com Follow me at Carly Wiesel on all the things. I'm trying to be more active on the Tiki Talks on the Instagram reels. I always take a bunch of video and I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. And then three years pass. So keep an eye out. I'm trying to do them to give visuals to pair with the episode. Um, I think I explained this on Instagram also or here. I don't remember which either way. Uh, this is really a, a loose outro, but we're going to keep it because I really want to recommend you cut chocolates in half. What can I say? Anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can follow me on all the websites. Expect more videos soon. And you can join the family at facebook.com slash groups slash Carly Wiesel. This episode was edited honorably by Jeff Fox. Thanks so much for listening. See you real soon. Hi, Mom. Hi, it's me. I'm back. Penny. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I'm holding onto the mic so she can't hold it. Otherwise, we will be listening to a half an hour voicemail. But.
My mom has been in town helping me with Pearl and has been, let's just say, nonstop working. Uh, She would probably have quit if this was a real job. So she has not had any time to listen to last week's podcast episode. So I thought I would just tell her about it right now and she can react in real time. And it's kind of like a voicemail. How does that sound? That sounds great. She's also wearing a very amusing shirt and did not know she'd be doing this right now. Swear to God. Swear to God. Uh, Available at com. Okay. Uh, Last week's episode is about Luna Luna. What is that? Does that name? Luna, is that a stuffed animal? <laughs> no. Uh, also, if you hear wines in the background, that's Pearl. We're, we're doing it all. We're doing it all at once. So Luna Luna is a is a, basically an art exhibit full of, uh, I almost said merchandise, clearly. I need more coffee. Essentially, Luna Luna was a the world's first art amusement park in the 80s. It was in Hamburg, Germany, and it was all of the famous modern artists of the time that mostly remain famous to this day. Uh, doing an amusement park, doing different rides, Ferris wheel, carousel, oh, things cool. like that. Yeah, there's a Keith Haring carousel. There was a Basquiat Ferris wheel. And now they staged it all in downtown LA and you can see it all up close. Why didn't you take me? Because I had to do it for the podcast. I took, yeah, I was in town, wasn't I? It? No, oh, I took okay. Ben. Okay. I took Ben. Oh, okay, that's fine. He, yeah. gets, he gets a shot. Yeah. Once in a while he gets to do something fun. But how do you feel about paying admission for a ride or for a amusement park where you essentially can't ride anything? I don't like that. Yeah, I knew you wouldn't like that. I like to get my money's worth, and I like them to put it out. Show me something. Give me something. This is why I didn't take you. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Because, you. I mean, it's very cool from an art perspective. You see, like, a very cool swing ride, carousel, mirror maze, but you can't really go in much of anything. So I don't like that. Because even when you took me to Paris to that place that was magical, that there were art exhibits and things oh, to do. Oh, wait, uh, the, like, the Circus Museum. The Circus Museum, and they had like... Which I will admit I saw on Emily in Paris, and that's why I went, but it was, <laughs> it was still cool. Well, it was from the 1800s, but you got to go on it. And yes, the bar did write up you, but because it was wood. It was, you, de- very, it was yeah. dangerous. Yeah. It was, listen, French laws are different, but we did go to the Circus Museum <laughs> in get, Paris. You do stuff. And yeah, you do. They do let you on the rides, which is pretty fascinating because they're old. They're old. They're like just old like these are. They don't have as much value because you can't go on these because they are priceless works of art by the most famous modern artists in the world. And they are edition one of one. Like there's not multiples. Um, and it is uh, bonkers that this even exists. But we got our money's worth with that. Because but other, if, yeah. if I framed it for you in the way that I did on the podcast, which sadly I've not given you any free time to listen I to. Um, I didn't dump, I didn't dump Pearl her it's been it's been a two-hander um but if i frame it as these are artists that are featured in every gigantic modern museum in the world like you you will go to these places destinations around the world to see these people's art and here you can see all of their art together and it's 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 pieces that you cannot see anywhere else ever unless you do this you can only see this here it's basically a billion dollar art collection that just happens to be fun and whimsical okay now if you started out with that i would have said okay so yeah so it's kind of like so it's kind of cool yeah it's like is it worth there's there's merit to it it's very cool but you have to approach it the right way i think absolutely now i'd say yeah sure i'd go but before i wouldn't go and how much do you think is too much for them to be charging for a small container of popcorn Oh, okay. I'm a popcorn expert. But how much would you pay for a small container of it? It depends. If I was starving, <laughs> I would go up to like $8. Yep, it's $8. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I swear this is not rehearsed. I just got out of the yep. shower. Yep, yep, yep. It's $8. It's $8. Okay. I would do it if I was up. Just got out of the shower. Lot. Your hair looks so nice. Well, I straightened it and I wow. blew it. Wow. Well, Yeah. Okay, my mom and I are. Yeah, it's been a long weekend. Uh, my mom and I are actually going right now to do a little research for a future episode. We will not say what it is, but we are. It's uh, not a theme park. It's something else that people have asked about. 
It is a. It is related to theme parks, and we will. We gotta go because we have to go and do I'm that. I'm just really excited. I'm getting out of the house. <laughs> okay. I'm so excited. Okay. All right. All right. I feel like a new mother. I'm so happy to get well, yeah, out. Yeah. Listen, babies are a lot, but it's oh, been great. God. Exhausted both of us. Okay. All right. Thank you. Oh God, this is great. And that's it. We're done. That's it. We gotta go. We gotta go. Okay, we'll do a full podcast another. Okay. Love uh, you guys. Bye, babe. Okay. Bye.